This is Laney Guy with this Lameless Lender. Um, okay, so we're diving into First Scene Meal. Um, last week we did Chapter 1. This week I have a lot to say. Um, maybe not. I just hope, like, all of my thoughts are cohesive. So I apologize in advance. But basically we're studying the char characteristics specifically of, as we go through the Bible, of different individuals um hannah last week was highlighted greatly um and just to recap just so in case you're just coming on so hannah um was a woman that was married to a man that was also married to another woman so he had two wives um one wife could bear children the other wife could not um and she was the other wife that could not basically the lord walks us through Hannah um and we really get to see how she deals with a super emotional hard situation um we get to see her basically be mocked by the other wife um and how she responds which she doesn't respond we get to see her husband being completely insensitive at some point to her towards her not being able to bear children and basically the husband was like am I not enough and we get to see her response to his uh lovely comment um but what is interesting about Hannah and the response that she had is she held her tongue for one and for two she went to the altar of the Lord and cried out and poured her poured herself out when things got really tough um she put god first husband second and everybody thereafter second as well including the son that she longed for um her prayer like if you go back and study first samuel her prayer in chapter one is pretty impeccable i mean um but also we get to see the characteristics of the high priest at the time and culturally maybe not culturally but the mindset of these individuals that were in the position to teach god to other people um and let me just tell you as i study i get to see that they're not in the best mentality honestly hannah <laughs> was uh way more qualified in my opinion to be a high priest than these um than eli or the, even his two sons for sure were um so we go into it to where she prays and god blesses her with a baby boy he remembers her um she gets pregnant with the baby and basically hannah's like okay i'm gonna rededicate this baby to you god when he becomes old enough and he's weaned and he will be yours and I don't, I think we blow through these chapters and we don't realize that what she's saying is that she is giving up this child that she longed for, for somebody else that's in a quote unquote high priest position that isn't a super strong man of God, in my opinion, in order for him to raise her son. Now, let me correct myself because I feel like I just had a discernment a little bit as I said that. Eli had, like, Jekyll and Hyde. Like, he had, like, he was good, and then he also, like, had his own weaknesses, just like us, that he struggled with. One was, you will learn that he was a glutton. <laughs> and two, he was kind of easy on his sons. Um, 
easy on his sons when he shouldn't have been and also didn't have a lot of credibility with his sons because he was I don't know if passive is the right word but just very laxed um so we'll get to kind of see that as we go through chapters so basically when we're gonna go through and Hannah's gonna rededicate her son to the Lord he's gonna drop him off with Eli this high priest for Eli to be raised amongst the Lord and to be taught the principles and everything that needed needs to be taught and then once a year she's gonna go see Samuel and that is her life with Samuel. But she promised that if she had a child, that she was going to rededicate it to the Lord. And you have to think, okay, so as I started reading, um, what's highlighted in the second chapter is that Eli's sons and the nature of his sons. They are people that are in high priest positions that are supposed to be the men of God that are sleeping with women in the sanctuary in the place of dwelling that that god is where he dwells they are with the sacrifices that are made um, for burnt offerings they are taking the fat portion that's actually supposed to be the lord's por portion and a sweet aroma to god and they are eating that themselves okay this is kind of the point that i want to drive home and there's going to be a whole spill to this. When these boys take the fat portion or the burnt offering or sacrifices to the Lord and they eat it, they are also bringing it to Eli, their father, and Eli is doing the same. So you'll see how he, they, he tries to correct his boys later on about sleeping with women and not having the fear of the Lord. But then also on the same breath, he has his own weaknesses, I guess I can say without judging him, that he is dealing with. And he is participating in eating of the burnt offerings that aren't supposed to be for them. So as a parent, when I read this, I look at myself, I look and I see, okay, well, it's a, what type of example is that setting for the boys? Like how serious are they taking the Lord's sacrifices for one and for two, like he's lost all credibility with these boys. So that gently correcting him through trying to put the fear in the Lord in these boys isn't going to work. It's not going to work. They, he lost, he lost. And you know what's really funny is that Ben and I, like, okay, so my husband and I, we've been having this discussion at home. And I tend to be the parent that is laxed, um, where I want my kids to feel like they can be kids. And I like to give them space to just be. And sometimes I give them way too much space and my leash is way too long and I'm not consistent with my discipline strategies. <laughs> um, sometimes. Now we have a behavior therapist for Ruthie Reese, um, my daughter, um, to help her. She has some sensory issues and things like that, but also to help 
my husband and I be on the same page on how we need to reach her and approach her because um, I need help. <laughs> um, I just have a very strong-willed child. My first child, not strong-willed. My second child, so strong-willed that she can stare you down at two years old and be like, I, and you can tell in her face, she's, she's saying, I'm going to win. Um, like she is, she is strong-willed. That's all I can say. Um, however, with the combination of her being strong-willed and some sensory issues, um, they're not super severe, I would say, but they are enough to where it can derail her to where it's, it, it's a it's a thing it's a thing that's all i can say so um the behavior therapist came in and she was like you'll have to be um your yeses yet be yes and your noes be noes but the, what that means is that you have to pick what your battles are going to be and you have to die on that hill with those battles so if that means that y'all are going to focus on her being disrespectful and that's her punishment and that's what you're going to harp on, and that's fine. But if you're going to not exert enough energy when she's jumping on the couch, but you're going to verbally keep correcting her, then it escalates to yelling, but you're not going to physically go over there and do anything about it. And sometimes you're consistent with it, and sometimes you're not, then you have failed. So basically, I've had to think, okay, what is important to me as far as discipline and what's not? And with her... I'm doing this mind game every single day, all day long with her. And with my son, he's just so easy and so laid back that when it comes to teaching and ministering and bringing him up and disciplining, I don't, I'm, I'm not doing a good job. I am failing as a mom. I am failing. I feel like I am failing. I have a discernment that I'm failing. Uh, maybe I'm not failing, <laughs> but I feel like I am. <laughs> So I have kind of gotten to this place where when reading 1 Samuel, which ironically my, our son was supposed to be named Samuel, that's a story within itself. But reading 1 Samuel, I have basically been super convicted about how to raise up my child in the Lord, you know, and what significance that has on his life. And what I have come to the realization is that we go to church on Wednesdays, we go to church on Sundays. He sees me participating, he sees me doing these Bible studies maybe and preparing sometimes, sometimes he doesn't. He sees me going to work, but he sees me being busy. And I'm not including him in on teaching and raising and ministering up I'm relying on these other entities to do it like school and church and I'm having a hard time as a mom like now that I'm recognizing it learning how to prioritize it so I'm hoping today when we do this Bible study, because I haven't done it yet, I'm actually pre-recording before I do it, but I'm hoping today that I can kind of pick other mom's brains to figure out, okay, one, how are you incorporating that in the day-to-day? -day? And two, what does that look like for your child or for you as a parent? Um, I have become super interested in the homeschooling community lately. 
guys don't think I'm like going to homeschool just yet. I'm not, but I am been super interested to learn other people's mindsets, why they homeschool, how it has enriched their lives or not enriched their lives, um, what that looks like on a day-to-day -day for them, what that looks like for their kids, what the flexibility looks like, what the more time looks like, like what all of that looks like. And I've, I've sat down with a couple different people and I still have some more people to sit down with and talk to. Um, so if you're listening to this podcast, um, first of all, thank you <laughs> for all of my five listeners. I'm kidding. I have, I think more than that sometimes, but I don't really know. I don't go back and check. Um, but basically what I have learned are this homeschool community where the stigma that I was brought in up in is that they're weird and their parents are helicopter parents because <laughs> I was public school raised through and through right um but what I've learned is that these moms are kind of shifting their mindset even people that were raised in the public school because they're trying to protect and preserve their child's childhood to where they can have more time to raise and bring them up in the Lord, but also not waste their time with things that are insignificant, which I'm not saying that education is in insignificant, but all of the wasted time during the hours of the day of school, kind of condensing that to where they do get the proper education, but also driving home the point that they're being raised up within the Lord. And how that looks like on a day-to-day -day for them and what the role of the woman is in the household and how that shifts based off of what society is used to, you know, today, based off of today. I think it's super interesting that um, we have created this society where we get up, we go to work seven, eight hours a day. We're there at work 40 hours a week. We come home to sleep, we do extracurricular activities with the kids, we rush, we do dinner, we do bath and we do bed and you maybe had 30 minutes of quality time with them throughout the day, excluding all of the extras. You know, all of the just like monotonous things that you're doing day by day. And I've learned that my kids are not getting enough of me and enough of the spiritual upbringing background that they're needing I have not come to a resolution with this. I am just now like coming to the realization. So just know that I have this information that's weighed hev heavily on me as I'm reading through 1 Samuel and I don't know what to do because at the same time, I still have to provide for my family and I still have to do the things that are required. Now, those that of you, of you that have listened to my previous podcast, you'll learn that we have our house on the market. Um, we're drastically downsizing um, in order to become financially free. And we are um, trying to figure out how to give us a little room to breathe. Um, and we're not in a bad spot, but I have realized that if I want to have options for my kids as far as more time then I'm gonna have to create space in the budget right in order for us to gain more time and the easiest way way in this sorry the easiest way in this season of life to create more time for my family is to 
drastically scale back on our standard of living. You know, my husband and I have always bought really used cars. Um, we've drive them until the wheels literally fall off. Like that's not even an expression. Like that's what we do. Um, it's not abnormal for our vehicles to have an average of 160,000 miles on them. It's not abnormal for that to be the norm, but us to really service our vehicles and make sure that they're in, you know, good standing. We don't have a car note, <laughs> but we, we did at the beginning, you know, we started from somewhere and just over time, we've learned that, um, our money can be used as leverage, which ultimately could be used as more time. We just have to work for a season to get to that goal. Now, the problem is, is that you have to be careful with that mindset because the standard of living today is not the standard of living from the 1980s and 1990s. Now, if you, uh, like, older generation if you can testify different and like make me see differently that's great but I want to say I read the other day like for you to live all like based off of somebody that lived on 80 or 100 thousand dollars in the 1980s I want to say it it's equivalent to today making 260 something thousand I totally pulled that out of thin air because it was on TikTok I think so I don't know how accurate that statistic is but it feels accurate it feels accurate so just kind of basically this tangent that I'm on is that when we read scripture like first Samuel and how I'm feeling super convicted because I see qualities of Eli that I see in myself where I'm like this dude's a glutton and I could easily judge him. And then as I'm reading, I'm like, wait, I do that. And so I'm like, how cool was it that Hannah knew Eli's weaknesses, knew his sons, how their hot mess expresses and still chose to have Samuel raised amongst Eli. I think it's because she chose to see the good and she chose to see that he still had good things to teach and raise Samuel and still trusted the Lord in that process there's sometimes where we can live in such a which we we're, we're experiencing that experiencing that now with religious or religious co corruption with people that are in authority that may not we can't see their fruits of their labor because they may not or may not be men of God but at the same time you have to take into consideration that we are all human right we're not gonna always do what's right all of the time there is no physical or mental way to do that we are always gonna have this spiritual warfare of a battle but it's our decision of whether or not we're gonna take the cross up every single day right that's our decision so we have to be careful with this own standard of moral code that we've created as a society when they're not biblically grounded and people are out there being cats. I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know what else to say, but like, there's some things that I, first of all, my husband and I, we don't watch the news. My husband's more news connected than I am, but I have not watched the news in probably over three years. Um, so what I, the information I get is hearsay, even during COVID, I didn't have the news. Like I, I, it was all hearsay that I was kind of going by, but I have for the last two, three years been 
extremely engrossed in the word to where that is my standard and that is where my fear or my like discernments come from and the discernment that I've had is from this scripture in particularly is you got to wake up and you're going to have to teach your child you're going to have to pour into your son as Hannah was pouring into Samuel you have to do that because if he's going by this moral code of the world and you let somebody else do that, whether that's the public school system or that's even people at church, that does not mean that they're getting sound doctrine. Um, now, now, I love my church that I go to. So if you're listening to this and you go to church, like, like we are heavily involved. Like I think the children's ministry is amazing, like all of those things. But at the end of the day, humans are humans. <laughs> people are people. And we still have to strive every day to take up that cross and to instill that in our children. Okay, I think that is my rant for today. So when you go through and you study Eli, I thought it was impeccable that Hannah still put her complete faith into Eli, dropped her son off forever for him to be raised by Eli and would go visit him once a year to go give him a robe that she made yearly and I just just can't imagine that drop-off <laughs> encounter and how that was because I daycare was hard for me dropping off my three-month-old after going back to work that was heart-wrenching I can't imagine dropping off and knowing that you don't have access to your child every day that is so disheartening and so upsetting to me but she still when you go back and you look at Hannah's prayer in chapter 2 what does she do she rejoices in the Lord she acknowledges his power she acknowledges his strength she acknowledges the fear that she has in the Lord she acknowledges all of the things and she chose to trust anyway because of the promise she made prior to giving birth or conceiving to God when she was in God's presence holy moly I am not like Hannah <laughs> and I would I don't I'm actually going to be very careful how I speak because I need to understand what it means to raise my child up in the Lord and what that sacrifice truly means and how it's so minute and so small compared to the sacrifice that God made when his son died on the cross. This taste that we have for Hannah is just a small taste of what Jesus did when he died for our sins and what God had to watch and had to look and had to endure as his son was suffering. Done mic drop. I think this is the end of the podcast, but food for thought. Um, I do want, like, I, I do want feedback, like, whomever's listening, like, message me on Facebook, whatever the case is. I want to know, like, if you homeschool or if you do something that's out of the norm of the day-to-day -day routine as far as teaching and raising your kids up in the Lord, like, what that actually looks like and, like, help. <laughs> SOS, like, I need help because I'm trying to break this monotonous cycle um, 
that I've created for our standard of living and our little family unit. And I need to figure out like what that actually looks like for my kids. And I've been super blessed to where we've been extremely disciplined financially, where eventually I think I will, Lord willing, come to a place where I will be able to have more time. I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel with that just yet um, because we're just entering into a new season. But I do want to learn and prepare and study and understand the best that I can in order to um, prepare for that time and for what God has for my kids and for me as a mom. I really do. Um, if you're listening to this and you're struggling with the same thing, like I pray for you. I will pray for you in our Bible study today. Um, because I a hundred percent can relate to that mentality. All right. Whistle stop at on Fridays is our Bible study in Denim. Um, and I think it's now Cafe Du Jour. Actually, if you try to look it up, um, I do podcasts about every week. Eventually, I will have a place where all of this information is housed. For right now, I have the Slaveless Lender Facebook page that you can go and get all the information. Thanks so much.